0: I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music. Uh, Look at music's effect on our everyday lives. When we hear about education and child development, the first thing that comes to most of our minds is usually physical growth and academic learning. But if you have ever had a job, a friend, a roommate, or a significant other, which covers most of us, you know that growing into an adult-sized body and knowing enough facts to complete a basic level of education or even advanced education will only get you so far. Many life accomplishments depend far more on things like perseverance self-discipline, personal responsibility, the ability to delay gratification, impulse control, empathy for others, a willingness to cooperate, an ability to communicate. These skills are all examples of what we call social emotional learning, also called SEL. And I'm starting to hear more and more about this area of learning. But what does SEL have to do with musical training? I have with me today the perfect person to give us some understanding on this topic. Dr. Asal Habibi is an assistant research professor of psychology at the Brain and Creativity Institute at University of Southern California. Her research focuses on how biological dispositions and environmental factors interact. In my layman's terms, I'm going to call that nature versus nurture, (laughs) and how learning experiences during childhood shape human development. Dr. Habibi completed her doctoral work at UC Irvine, and her research has been published in several peer-reviewed journals. She is a classically trained pianist and has many years of musical teaching experience with children. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Dr. Habibi. Thank you. A pleasure to be here. You are the lead investigator of a five-year study in collaboration with the Los Angeles Philharmonic and their Youth Orchestra Program investigating the effects of childhood music training on brain, cognitive, and social development. We're focusing today mostly on the social-emotional component, but can you give us a brief overview and description of this study that you're working on?
1: Absolutely. Yes, this study, um, originally planned for five years, now we are in the seventh year of it, mm-hmm. um, started in uh, 2012. Because um, we know that there are anecdotal stories that um, music learning helps a child with their academic achievement, with their school friendships, with their family dynamic. But there was really not a systematic work that we could find that has followed children year by year as they learn music and to see what happens to them in terms of both their academic and cognitive development, but also skills that are very important as um, the ones you mentioned, social and emotional learning, compassion, empathy, um, social, pro-social behavior. So we started a collaboration in 2012 um, with the Los Angeles Philharmonic and their youth orchestra program, YOLA. And and this program is is based on El Sistema, some of you may be Mm. uh, familiar with, but basically the overall idea is to provide access to free music education to as many children as possible, mostly focused on underserved communities of Los Angeles where children typically don't have access through their school system to music. Mm. And um, so we recruited these um, students who have enrolled in the music program, but just prior to the training starting we also enrolled two other groups of children because we were going to follow these kids over the years we know that every child develops and every child changes so we needed to have some comparison Mm -hmm. to see uh, what are some of the effects that we see are the result of typical development itself and what are some of the effects that see are result of music training Mm
0: -hmm. so So we also control groups Absolutely.
1: So we enrolled a group of children who were involved in a sports uh, activity, like a community soccer program mm-hmm. uh, to control for um, effects of like being part of a motivating and engaging and sensory motor kind of um, focused activity. And also we have a third group of children who are from the same communities um, where these two other groups came from. However, they were not part of any systematic after school en- enrichment program. Mm-hmm. Uh, We have been seeing these um, students and children since they were six years old. That's when I first met them. And every year, they come to our laboratory at the Brain and Creativity Institute at USC. And we do a basically a very comprehensive battery of testing, focusing on different aspects of development, as I mentioned, cognitive, social, and emotional. We also collect brain imaging data from them. So not to only see changes in behavior, but for us to understand better the underlying brain mechanisms that support that behavior. So for example, if anything has changed in terms of of empathy, uh, do we also see changes in the underlying brain regions that mm. um, uh, are engaged in empathy and prosocial behavior. Mm. So they go inside the MRI scanner, we will take an image of their brain, we also give them some tasks to do some games to do during the MRI. And we look at their brain function while they're doing that task. Mm. So this has been going for um, seven years now, we originally, as I said, planned for five years, but after five years, we had such promising results and and it was interesting because the students were kind of transitioning into a time from kind of elementary school to middle school and and we all know that life gets more complex yeah. um, your um, kind of social environment becomes more complex your your um, selection of peers have more consequential results in in, in your everyday life so now um, this this was um, this past year uh, prior to the pandemic uh, we collected data from them for the seventh time of the same cohort of students.
0: Yeah. Well, when you talk about middle school, I remember when my oldest went into middle school and with our district at the time, it was seventh and eighth grade was middle school. And I remember going to the period orientation and the principal of the middle school saying the two years that your children spend in our school are going to be the two years that they see the most growth in their entire lives apart from the first two years of their lives. And I thought, wow, I hadn't thought about that. But I guess you're right. Yeah, it's a complicated transition. Um, suddenly, they're
1: little adults, and, and their decisions matter. And, and we expect them to have some independence, but also follow our guidelines. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's finding that um, that thread between the two. And uh, for us, because for example, Um, I'll go through the results more systematically with you, but one of the things that we we saw in relation to music training when students were still in elementary school was this enhanced delayed gratification or um, the ability to control your impulses. Mm -hmm. So we test that with simple rewards like Uh, monetary rewards like quarters or we actually use sometimes um, candies or cookies m&ms and the idea is do you want something small immediately or you're willing to wait for something larger or better in the future Mm -hmm. and uh, our observation was that with children who have had music training as the size of the reward gets larger um, they're more willing to wait for it so Mm -hmm. if the choice is between one versus two Sometimes they take it and sometimes they leave it. But if the choice is one now versus six later, um, they hundred percent of the time they wait for that um, larger reward. We do not see this differentiation in the children who were part of the other groups, like the control groups.
0: Oh, so that difference is just in the the children, the group that was participating in the music education. Correct. The students who were part of the sports kind of fall
1: in between the two groups, between mm-hmm. the music and non-music, non-sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing better than uh, the control group, but they're not doing as well as the music group. And if you think about a music training, I always say you don't go to a music lesson to learn impulse control. That's not part of kind of the objective of the music course, but it's something that it sort of comes with the fact that you'd have to read measure by measure, note by note, work with others. It it takes a lot of discipline. I'm kind mm-hmm. of delaying this gratification of having a performance, being mm-hmm. doing something kind of that is, 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 is more fun with your friends. But you just have to kind of build these steps. And, and it's a practice that kind of enforces mm-hmm. um, that patience. So we think that that has something to do with what we call far transfer effect. Of music training and kind of circling back to what we were talking a little bit earlier about middle school so because we saw these impact during elementary school the idea was let's follow them a little bit longer mm-hmm. and see when the decision is no longer m M&M, m like one versus now or six m M&M m later but the decision is would i show up to class so i can graduate at the end of the year mm-hmm. or what peer group i would associate with would these skills that they learned during that uh, early years transfer to decisions that are more important and more consequential for their life?
0: Yeah. Wow. What a great study. So when you talk to us about the results of the study, are you going to be talking about the results of the elementary students or is this going to include middle school age Yeah. As well? and- uh,
1: mostly the elementary school so we have published results up to about 5 years of this study we just finished collecting data from the students who were in element uh, in the middle school okay. okay so everything is always a bit of delayed because About one year delayed when we collect data, then we have to analyze it and we have to process it, write it. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think we are we're hoping to have the results from this latest uh, phase sometimes by the end of this kind of this year, 2020. Uh Um, But um, the results that I can cover today is the five years between ages six to 11, six to seven to 11 to 12.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Well, will tell us about some of the <laughs> results that you learned in this study, especially as it relates to the social emotional results. Absolutely. So, um,
1: I kind of like to start by saying that one of the so as uh, changes in the brain are are slow. So, uh, and and it takes training and it takes time. Brain is very plastic. There is the concept of neuroplasticity, but it. Whatever we see has to be on top of the typical development because, again, every child's brain is developing and changing. So what we observed at the beginning, the first year or two of this study, was really enhancement in auditory skills. Skills that are important for communication, for speech, for language, but also are stimulated By music, so pitch perception, rhythm perception, rhythm production, and changes in the auditory areas of the brain. These regions are in the temporal cortex and support any activity that involves sound. So we saw kind of more mature growth of these areas. Um, a a kind of faster maturation of these areas and the auditory pathway, a pathway that basically transfers information from the ear to the brain. Um, So even though these are music related, sound related, and are expected, again, you'd have to remember that when you're having a communication with someone, you use the same regions. And if you can tell if someone is angry or if someone is upset or happy, you have a much more successful communication with them. Um, uh, If, if you are tuned into their auditory kind of output, so we think that these actually not only were important for basic auditory skills but important for other types of skills as well so
0: uh, going interesting forward, that, uh, that reminds me of some work that Dr. Nina Kraus has done over at northwestern about absolutely I, yeah, I actually I had her as uh, as a guest on the show a while back, and the topic that she was talking about was are musicians more sensitive to picking up on emotional cues than exactly.
1: non-musicians? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And that kind of, to me, that translates into a, a, a pro-social behavior when you can communicate successfully with others. Definitely. So as time went by, uh, after about three years of training or so, we began to see changes in the other areas of the brain that are not necessarily just um, temporal cortex and auditory regions. So um, just, I mean, this is a very large study. So I'm going to just kind of touch on some of the results. Mm -hmm. One was um, this um, delayed gratification that I talked about. And then when we looked at the brain activity, underlying these delayed gratification. We gave them a task to do inside the MRI scanner that involves decision making and inhibition and impulse control. And what we observe is that children who have had music training were engaging the frontal regions of their brain, what we call the prefrontal cortex, the circuitry really for decision making, more effectively and more strongly than children who didn't have music training. So again, this is not something you go to music lesson to learn, but it seems that it's um, the, the learning and and training they had is um, associated is also with better decision-making and better usage and engagement of these areas of the brain. Um, So that's kind of more executive function, delayed gratification task. In terms Mm -hmm. of specifically social and emotional behavior, a couple of ways that we test that, uh, we, we look at empathy. So basically the ability to recognize An emotional state of another person and to share that emotional state. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a huge. Skills, something that we would like every child to learn uh, through development mm-hmm. um, and at school. So what we do is we show them a video. Um, all the kids watch a kind of a c- c- couple of vignettes and videos, and in these videos, there's a character that's going through something. The the protagonist is either going through a traumatic experience or happy or sad or angry, and we just basically ask them, "What do you think this person is feeling? How do you think they're feeling? And how do you feel?" And, and then we'll see how much of a match their emotion has with the kind of emotional state of the character. And what we observe is that children who have had music training are better at recognizing and matching their emotion um, to the character in the in the vignette than. The kids who are not doing music training and oh. this didn't really happen until after three or four years of training so at oh. the beginning everybody so we test everybody at the beginning prior to training to just make sure that we had an equal start when they were going in okay. and then basically observe the rate of change as they get older and see who is, whose performance is getting better and better. And for example, in this empathy task, um, after four years of music training, children who were in the music group were outperforming the other two groups uh, in, in recognizing and sharing an emotional state. And if you think about it, when you play music, especially um, this form of training that we have worked with, which is a group um, focus there's a lot of emphasis on um, collaboration but also you have to to kind of tune into an emotional state of another person even if you play an ensemble um, if it's like even if it's chamber music you look at other musicians you kind of kind of get their facial expression and you try to kind of be in the same emotional state so it seems that again that's a that's a skill um, that, that doesn't necessarily is part of the objective of music lesson, but it comes with it. And then it, you can transfer that later to be able to also, at least in our case with these children, do it in other circumstances of life, like recognizing an emotional state in a movie. Um, another one that I want to touch on is uh, ability to synchronize and having more pro behavior. Mm. So, um, Synchronization and entrainment is 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 part of our evolution. I mean, we for years and years we clap together, we dance together, we march together. It seems that it's something that is part of our biology and evolution. Um, so what we have done is asking um, the students uh, because we are very interested in their rhythmic production to just tap on on a drum with another experimenter. So basically, a child sits and then we just tap together, and then we, we basically look at differences in um, beat perception and production when we change the beat to a from a simple beat to a more complex beat but then we also relate so we, we what we are interested in is that how synchronized that child is with the experimenter how how can how, how much they can entrain themselves and kind of beat uh, kind of drum at the same level and at the same rate mm. what we have come to see is that that degree of synchronization, predicts how prosocial they are later towards that person. So uh, we test that with, um, it's it's a fun thing to do with, with students because you basically give them a scenario of, here are a bag of stickers, I'm going to leave the room. And then you can take some stickers for yourself. You can take all of them for yourself. You can just leave a few for the person you just played the drumming game with. Or you can just leave as many as you want or all of them. So basically, you just let them make that decision. Mm -hmm. What we came to observe is that the more synchronized they were tapping with another person, the more stickers they were willing to share. Oh, wow. So, I mean, and that's a kind of... it's experimental way of looking at pro social behavior, this kind of this ability to share and be generous towards others. So, so that it almost seems, sounds
0: like a bonding type of a concept, too. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's kind of you are kind of in a more uh, socially shared space with another person. So you're more willing to also share your belongings or whatever you have with them.
0: Sure. Kind of considering yourself one of a community rather than strictly individual. Absolutely, yeah, and this has been shown.
1: Um, we, the our data is uh, is from the students who are in elementary school, but I think this is results have been shown uh, as early as infancy that children, if you have, if you even synchronously moving them with another person, they're more willing to help that person.
0: Wow, that's fascinating. So are are those kind of the three main areas that you, your study showed the results or that you looked at?
1: Yeah, I think that I'm just trying to kind of look, uh, think through all the papers that we have. I mean, we have uh, published results on um, another area that I think is interesting and kind of touches on neuroscience is we were interested not only in the kind of the change in the structure of the brain, just like individual structures, but also how they are connected with each other. Because we know that the brain has this kind of white matter pathways that they're like highways. They transfer information Mm -hmm. across the brain. Um, One of these bundle of pathways is this large white matter bundle that connects the left and the right side of the brain. Mm -hmm. Uh, We call that the corpus callosum. Um, And, So we look at the degree of connectivity, how robust in connectivity is this pathway. And again, we do that for, we did that for every child at baseline. And we showed that at age six, there were no significant differences between the groups and the degree of connectivity between in in the specific pathway that is involved in kind of integration of information between the two areas, the two sides of the brain. Mm -hmm. However, after, Three years two years of training, what we saw is that children in the music group started to show more robust connectivity between the two sides of their brain, so this um, corpus callosum was had higher connectivity, and again, when we look at them four years later, the same data replicated that even after four years, the degree of connectivity was stronger. So what does that mean? is that there is, it can imply in terms of like more integration between the two areas, better communication between the two sides of the brain, um, maybe even related to more creativity. We haven't really looked at creativity, but there is some evidence in the literature that suggests that um, higher connectivity of the corpus callosum is related to creativity. So not only changes that we observe are kind of in the behavior, but we also see changes in the underlying kind of neural and biology of the brain um, that is changing as a result of music training.
0: Ah, Fascinating. So that last, that corpus callosum that you were talking about, that sounds sort of like the brain just overall working more efficiently is sort of how I interpret that in my layman's yeah. terms. I'm not sure if that's correct or not. Well, yeah, more communication between the two sides of the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well that is all fascinating. Now talk to us about the comparison you had the two control groups. One was a group that was involved in sports and one was a group that was not involved in either the music training or the sports. With the if, if you said that the sports control group fell somewhere fell somewhere in between the musical training group and the non-involvement group was it kind of across the board falling in in between those two groups? Or was there just certain areas that were not as developed as the musical training group? So for example, the auditory areas of the brain that first is the area that you see change in, that seems to me like one that would make sense that it would be more highly developed in the musical training group, but not the sports group. Were, were there certain areas that were more developed or was it just kind of across the board?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question and very good prediction. Uh, exactly. So when we looked at pure auditory skills, music skills and auditory skills, um, the music group is significantly better than both groups, sports and uh, non-music, non-sports control. So in that, in, in those skills, so, <laughs> The music uh, tra- trained children kind of outperform the other. However, when we go to other what we call kind of far transfer effects of music, both in terms of executive function skills like the delayed gratification mm-hmm. and also social behavior, the sports group fall in between the two. So, and and that's really an indication that I I always kind of when I talk about this study is that the idea of the study was not to say music is better than sports. It's it's that both of these activities are important for child development development mm-hmm. and activity that is engaging and we can see that even the kids who were in the sports program had um, they, they are doing better than children who are not doing anything at all in terms of their impulse control in terms of their empathy and in terms of their prosocial social behavior and then we have to kind of remember that Sports also kind of supports this sensory motor integration, what was like relating your senses to a motor action. Mm-hmm. So anything that we see that with motor development in in the sports group is also true for the music group. And there are differences in gross motor versus fine motor movement mm-hmm. that that you see between um, the, in, in in comparison to the two activities. But um, but I think our evidence shows that kind of athletic training and sports training are as important. And and when we look at development, we have to look at the whole child development. Um, It's not that you could just, to me is that you can't just say only science is important for a child to, to develop efficiently. No, mm-hmm. you, you just need all like art education and sports and, and obviously STEM education equally important and equally emphasized.
0: Sure. Well, I imagine the more different areas in life that children are learning these social emotional skills, the more integrated they become were any of the groups involved in multiple activities? So for example, were any of the musical training students also involved in sports or was, were they strictly involved in music training or strictly involved in sports with no crossover?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. So doing these community activities, natural setting studies Uh, we didn't want to go in and say if you're signing up for this study uh, for the next five years you can't do sports or you can't do music (laughs) it's it's not ethical these are developing children so we uh, kept a very detailed log their activities so we basically talk with their parents um about like once once a month or so and check in and see if they have signed up for a program uh, that is not in the designated group that we have them and uh, we basically define a threshold that for example if a child who's in the sports group picks up music more than two times a week for length at least for six months and continuing we would not include them in our analysis Mm -hmm. and um to kind of Keep things as clean as possible. Mm-hmm. So, for the the result is is really reflecting students who are mostly and more frequently engaged with the activity that they were designated with. Okay. Um, I have to say that. Um, that also comes from the community that we work with. And I think it's kind of a a note to bring attention to that when we work with um, underserved and low-income communities, there are not often that many enrichment programs available to them. Mm -hmm. So uh, if they are lucky and fortunate to become part of one of these community programs, they tend to stick with it Mm -hmm. um, because it just not only provides them with a training and enrichment, but actually a structure and a a place for these children to be. So I think that's Our failure as a society uh, that we uh, don't—it's—it's there is not option for these kids to move from one to another. uh, But it's sort of worked in our way that a lot of our students who started with one of these programs um, kind of stayed with it as as over over the years.
0: Mm, Sure. Well, what a fascinating study. I look forward to hearing about the middle school years as those results are released. I'll look Mm -hmm. forward to checking that out. Really interesting. Well, SEL was around before COVID-19, and it's going to be around after COVID-19. But I imagine the need for social emotional learning skills is more important now than ever. How do you see the current uncertainties and changes affecting the importance and benefits of SEL?
1: Yeah, that's a very, very good question and think uh, something that I've been thinking a lot about. So uh, I'll touch on two points. One is uh, with the students we have been following, for example, in our research study, uh, we figured that now that they were at home starting them in April or so, uh, we would um, start kind of connecting with them and see how they're using their music in terms of their social support. And and it was fascinating to see that they have found ways. So they're kind of like mid early teenagers now um, they have found ways to connect with their friends and their community through this musical instrument and musical training they have so it provided them a space separate from school separate from their family unit that they would get on zoom and play with each other kind of like impromptu concerts or performances that they would make so it really brought my attention to that that skill that we these community or the LFO or us as a city invested in uh, at these times of hardship is paying off and provides them not only with a space to connect with others, but also a lot of kids told us that it's kind of giving them a place and kind of a protected space to regulate their emotion, to be with themselves, to be away from the news or the Zoom school or the parents, and, and be all going through the stress one way or the other at different rates. So it also kind of provided them like a bubble of protection that they could go pick up their violin and play the piece and just be away from anything else. So that was uh, fascinating to hear. And we just kind of looked at, we kind of did a survey of 10 weeks or so I'm just kind of connecting with them every week and see how they're using their music. It seems that music is playing an important role in their life to uh, regulate their emotion and, and, and stress because, I mean, this is a very acute stress that we are all um, facing now. But in general, I think we can I mean there's uh, many, many stresses in the world, unfortunately for children, and although we, I think we all have to kind of work through um, to resolve them, but another thing we can do is to just give children a toolkit, to uh, like a, a toolkit of social mm-hmm. and emotional skills to respond to these stresses. And, and I see music as one of the tools in this toolkit that you could have a skill that you can have to help you um, have better social skills and better emotion regulation in the face of these stresses.
0: That's, that's fantastic. I mean, we talk so much about prioritizing student health and safety as it relates to COVID-19 and as schools are ramping up another school year. And often that refers simply to them not getting COVID. But yes. it should also refer to students' mental and social and emotional health. And it's really neat to have this study showing how music education does provide that toolkit for students.
1: Yeah, and I think that investment matters. And I uh, I mean, it just kind of, I feel like it's kind of give, it should give us insight now That when we are out of this and we are past COVID-19, we should continue to remember the things that helped Mm -hmm. during this time and then hopefully have this vision of providing music education really to every child, uh, music or art education in general, access to it to every child so they have these tools that are necessary for working through the stresses that Mm. are nevertheless would come up for every child.
0: Mm. I came across this quote recently by Dr. Maurice Elias. He uh, said, I believe everyone will soon come to realize that our arts educators are the secret weapon to implementation of social, social emotional learning in our schools. And I think one thing that's really neat about that is we're not talking about an extra box for teachers to check when it comes to teaching these skills through the arts, because these skills are embedded in the learning of musical education, for example, the perseverance that you need to learn a musical instrument and the resilience that is created through that and the self-awareness that comes through artistic creation and collaboration and, and all the things that we've been talking about, that's not an extra step or an extra box to check. It's just a natural outgrowth of the musical education that teachers are providing within the school setting.
1: Absolutely. And then on top of it, it's fun and kids usually like to do music and it brings happiness and joy for them. So I think Mm -hmm. keeping that in mind that we just really music is part of our evolution and we use it as a celebration and being together. So it's a fun activity that has these very good side effects Mm -hmm. um, off of the skills that we want our children to have and to develop.
0: Definitely. Do you have any recommendations for arts educators to... Fully leverage the connections between s e l and the arts as we're ramping back up another school year here
1: generally, I feel that um looking at music education and music training to kind of every individual child to afford them to have fun doing it. I mean for me, uh one of the things that is important is for a child a child would make connection to things when they're enjoying it. So really sometimes emphasis uh, on curriculum as far as like excellence in, in musicianship, uh, maybe just for more emphasis on connecting with others in the class or mm-hmm. more emphasis on on the orchestra as this unit of fun like a fun society that we all part of mm-hmm. uh, rather than um i mean as they get older they develop more motor skills and attention skills and obviously the musicianship skills are becoming more and more important and relevant but i think i look at every child to have musical skills and music training not because they all end up being musicians, Mm -hmm. but because they would end up being citizens who are engaged with arts and culture and music. And when they're older, they can do any other form of profession, but they also would enjoy playing music with others. They would also enjoy engaging in going to a concert. So really kind of, I think that this overview of let's develop and let's foster a group of citizens who are art engaged and culturally engaged and then if some of them become very very good musicians all for the best
0: Mm -hmm. beautiful well i ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending a coda by sharing a song or a story about a moment that music enhanced your life is there a song or a story that you can share with us today Yeah, I think that
1: um, because we kind of touched on uh, the pandemic and COVID 19, and and because we are very much still living in it, um, we uh, and my lab looked at uh, how people around the world when we started the The kind of the shutdown and the lockdown are using music in terms of their emotion and stress regulation so are people using music? How much music people are using? And that was kind of motivated by by watching the videos of people singing together along Mm. like up on the balconies Mm -hmm. so we did a large research study we are um, currently in the process of writing that up and and submitting it for publication but looking at uh, what type of music people listen to across the world so we collected data from different countries, Italy uk the us india uh, about 700 to 800 participants and ask them what type of music you would listen to now versus what type of music you listen to a year ago around this time and just kind of see if the music has changed uh and if people are listening to any types of specific music for kind of coping as a coping mechanism uh for the current time and then on kind of as a fun part of it, we also ask individuals to recommend music that they think would be helpful for others um, during this time. So we put a, um, I mean, this is a very, very large uh, playlist, about 700 to 800 songs, but we put a kind of a short version of that, about 10 songs. So these are songs and and pieces of music that's been recommended from individuals around the globe who thought that it could be helpful for others, especially kind of with, that was a time that everybody was really, really strictly locked down in quarantine. So what songs and what music would help you kind of get through day, through the day? Um, so I am happy to share this kind of 10-song playlist with you and and for your listeners to to listen to that and see if that might be helpful to them.
0: Wonderful. Oh, that's great. I'll look forward to checking that out. So for listeners, I'll include that link in the show notes. Very yeah. cool. Well, thank you so, so much. This was absolutely fascinating and really exciting to see the research results on this topic. And I look forward to hearing more about it as more and more of the research is published on those middle school years. So thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. A pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for sharing my work with your audience. Thank you so much for joining me today. I would love to hear from you. Please let me know of any experiences you've had or are aware of where music training has enhanced social emotional learning. You can send me a voice memo that I can share with others in the Enhanced Life with Music community by playing in an upcoming episode. And as always, you can also connect with me on email, social media, or my website. I encourage you to enhance someone else's life with music by sharing this episode with someone who may find it helpful, whether a teacher, a parent, or a grandparent, and whether you share by text, social media, or your own acoustic voice. I want to end this episode with a shout out to my son Eric, who told me a musical fun fact the other day that I had no idea about. Apparently there is a section of road on Route 66 with rumble strips that play America the Beautiful if you drive on it at 45 miles per hour. This is so cool. I put a YouTube link in the show notes where you can watch and listen. I would love to know the story of how this came to be. I'll have to dig into that. I am actually going to be in this area of New Mexico later this year, so I'll have to check it out in person. I'll keep you posted if I do. Thanks again for joining me today. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.